Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost and Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man whose hobby of laying naked with deers has raised a lot of eyebrows. I am the Adam Glass, and it's not the deer's eyebrows that's been raised, so what's it matter? It's all it's all a trick of light. It's like it's you know, it's like haunted mansion, right? So you're not actually with a deer. It's actually just a really, really large deer very far away. <laughs> it's, it's forced perspective. <laughs> Get some Lord of the Rings shit going on here with the deer. Pat, before we get into the movie this week, I do want to talk about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you can help keep us going and get access to some bonus content. Oh, yeah. We watch a non-criterion film over there every month. Put together a list for our supporters to vote on, so supporters get to be actively involved in the decision of what movie we get to watch. It's like they're putting together their own Criterion collection. Yeah, they are. It's it's a genius one, too. It makes as much sense as the normal Criterion Collection. It, it really does. I assume that sometime in the distant future, there will be podcasts dedicated to the list of movies we covered on our Patreon. I, I want to amend my statement. Our, our list possibly makes more sense than the Criterion Collection. Because each post, you explain why it's in the collection. We're, we're less of a black box than the Criterion right. Collection, certainly. But yeah, it's always four choices, and then the fifth choice is always Kazam, the children's movie starring Shaquille O'Neal as a genie. Uh, for a little fun, in case I make a bad list, you could punish us. <laughs> the, the heavy uh, air quotes on, on the, the word fun there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun, fun's a lie. Uh, we have watched it twice, and graciously, the... Uh, the supporters have not made us watch it again. Uh, I don't know if I could handle it, actually. I don't think they want to listen to those episodes. No, so. I, that's the thing, right? It's like, vote for Kazam is a vote for an episode I'm not going to listen to. Right, right, right. Uh, anyway, that's all at the $1. You get access to, to the vote. You get access to the entire back catalog. There's 60 episodes back there. Uh, a little above that, $5. We like to thank those people on air. Uh because that's really all they get. They help keep us going a little further, and I mean, it's, it's they thing. get thanked on air. It's a thing. Uh, so we do thank all of them every episode. Thank you so much to our current $5 supporters, Andrew Jarrett, Chris Otto, Eric Coronado, and Stephen Goldmeyer. Yes, thank you very much. A bit above that. A bit above that, we do something that is pretty dang special. Yeah, it is. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard write a little personalized thank you note and mail that off once a month. And also to thank those $10 and above supporters on air. Uh, thank you so much. Tracy McGrath, Nina Bojnak, Jason Westhaver, Adam Speakerman, and Patrick Yako are yes, current $10 you. and above supporters. If you want to see those postcards before Good luck. You... Fuck you, Redbubble. <laughs> uh, you can head over to redbubble.com and... Search for Lost in Criterion, and you can see most of the old postcards. I'm you can so, buy them I'm as living. well. Yeah, yeah. We had one recently challenged that Pat and I are both both angry about because it's it is the very definition of transformative use. And uh, I mean, all the ones that have been removed have been. That's the thing about right, it. Is right, it, it really right. what it does is the ones that are removed 
indicate more about the litigiousness of the organization that removed them than the actual nature right. of the art. Because I have ones that are far closer to something a, 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 yes, akin yes. to like and actual copyright infringement than the ones that have been removed. Right. And what makes us very mad is that the the most recent one to get challenged and removed was uh, challenged by a source I don't think either of us would have <laughs> no, expected to be litigious. Did not see that coming. For the ones that have not had copyright challenges, you can head over to redbubble.com, search for Lost and Greg Turian, and check them out. Buy them as postcards, buy them as greeting cards, uh, stickers, uh, pins, some of them. Thank you so much to everyone who has purchased things through the Redbubble. Thank you so much to everyone who supported us through Patreon more directly. Yes. And yes. thank you so much for listening. Pat. Yes. It's week four of By Brackage, volume two. Yes, our very slow walk through this version of the league. Yes, our very slow walk. <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, program four on the volume two set covers the smallest time frame, I think, out of I mean, any yeah, of the it's others. Like, what, 1990, basically? Yeah. Yeah, eighty nine to ninety, and that's and that's only because one of these came out in December. I think um, I'm pretty sure all of them say copyright nineteen ninety. Like one of them came right. out, but I think all of them got copyright in nineteen ninety. Yeah, yeah, the title cards I think are all nineteen ninety. I think you're right there within this whole set of brackets work. This is the only one where we're seeing an entire cycle. Oh, is this the whole thing? I was going to ask you about that. I wasn't yeah. sure if this, if these four were like everything or if we we're like you know. There was like ten more after this. They, they didn't bother no, to include. No. So while it, while he, we have seen selections from like say the song cycle, we saw a selection. Uh, we saw a couple from, but this one it is the entire cycle. It is visions in meditation number one, uh, number two subtitle Mesa Verde, number three subtitle Plato's Cave, and number four subtitle D H Lawrence. And that is the entire cycle made over 1989 and 1990. Uh, so, yeah, uh, fairly late period Stan Brackage. Now, with Stan Brackage Volume 1, we did see stuff from his entire life. Right, yeah, yeah. Our earliest stuff was from the 50s. Our latest stuff was from at least the late 90s, if not the 2000s. I don't know that we saw anything from the 2000s in that one. I'm not looking at the list particularly, but we had stuff certainly from the 90s. So... We've seen stuff that he's done before this, a lot of stuff that he's done before this at this point. We've seen some stuff that he's done after it. Uh, but principally, everything we saw late in his career in Volume 1 were the painted frames, were the right. pure abstract. Uh, Which we finally found out why he doesn't like that term, and it is the most ridiculous reason to not like the word abstract <laughs> in the history of mankind. <laughs> Like you know uh, that you words wanna... can ha like in the same lecture where he discusses how many word like meanings different words in English can have, he also yeah. pinpoints a single definition of abstract that makes him hate the term writ large, right, which is right, wild right. to me. He's like English is really fascinating because like words can have like many many multiple meanings uh, encased within a single word. Also, I hate this word because of a specific meaning that I don't like of it. Yes, yes. A man he, of many of many of many contradictions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Brackage does not refer to his films as abstract films. He refers to them as uh, visual music. Is a term he has used, uh, which I'm okay with. They are. Yeah, I mean very, it's fine, but you know what that sounds to also, me like? It sounds to me like you're defining abstract. 
right, 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 right. Like, right. I, I, uh, it's something I can't help because, like, he's he's very funny. Like, his way of talking yes. about his own work is very amusing because it's clearly a person trying to come to terms with like what his work is and not yeah. liking the way. Like, he he's like, well, I accept it because I know what it means and like it's fine. But it's also like, dude, that th- is what. Because a thing exists in the real world does not make it not abstract. Yeah, yeah. Is that? It's do you remember funny. the exact the exact definition of abstract he was objecting to? He's I can't two remember. of them. Two of them. He has. T- he takes yeah. two ways of getting there. His first one is that as a child, child as a young man, he talks to himself as like he's a child. But it's after he graduated from school, so clearly he was not a child. Um, he worked in a law firm where he had to like help deliver and write up abstracts for property which an abstract of a property is just like a list of like the title changes and deed changes and stuff right which like yeah lots of things have abstracts i write articles with abstracts like abstract has a lot of meanings because it is a very useful word and all the different uses all derive from the same place Um, right and then the second object so that was his first objection which was silly is a silly objection because he's like, well, that's not yeah. what this is. That's what that is. I'm like, you words have more than one definition, man. You just literally are going to talk. You talked about that ten minutes ago. <laughs> right. Um, and then the second one was the fact that like he objected to the idea of like um, like uh, Jackson Pollock's paintings being defined as abstract and like because like you're standing there, you're really there. It's physical. You can see it, and it's like. Dude, they don't mean abstract concept as in the thing is physically non-existent and is like derived. <laughs> Ethereal. Yeah. It, yeah. It means abstract as in like it's not representing a real thing in like its totality, but rather a thing in sort of interpretive meaning. It's yes. like, what's wrong with you? You know what words mean. Stop it. Don't yes. be like this. Yeah. Uh, Pat's drawing from Sorry. the bonus feature we uh, we also watched with these, which is... Uh, despite despite the quotes Pat's pulled from it, nothing so far, to do with his is work. a lecture a lecture on Gertrude Stein. Uh, but, like at the same time, it is probably the best thing with Brackage as a person we've ever gotten. Yes, in the sense that it is Brackage talking for long enough that he actually like, despite it being about Gertrude Stein, reveals a lot about himself as a person. Yes, yes, which is like, we just don't have that. Like none of the other interviews with him are longer than like two minutes long. They're all very, I mean, the old one on the first volume had a fairly decent interview with him. The interview he had with the the person last week was good, but it felt very evasive, whereas when he's teaching, he feels yeah. almost much more open and, like, personable. He, like, seems to be more revealing about himself in a in a teaching environment than he does in an interview about him environment. Right, right, right. I think that's fair. And, of course, he taught film. And yeah, yeah. I mean, in I, teaching I assume... film, he would not be talking about his own work, right? Right, right. And and, and it's fascinating so. to me because I imagine now I can see a world where like I would have a very different view of Brackage if I could have like actually listened to his film lectures. Yeah. The way because the, the, like they seem like this is not film lecture because it's Richard Stein, but like nonetheless, it is. He is an interesting person to listen talk to talk about things he actually like likes to talk about. Right. Right. Uh, the focus on Ver- Gertrude Stein uh, is all of these works in in being titled Visions in Meditation 
are an allusion to Stein's masterwork stanzas in meditation, okay. which was uh, that makes sense. A one hundred and fifty page uh, uh, poetic cycle. Um, I think it was published only as a collected works, though, with other works. So he mentions he mentions how long his copy was, but also that there were other things in it during the lecture. Right. Uh, it it is kind of interesting because last week last week our bonus features had Brackage talking about Ezra Pound and a particular quote right. from Ezra Pound that inspired him, and we hypothesized that in the two bonus features we had last week. Uh, between them, uh, between their recordings, Brackage had learned that Ezra Pound had been a fascist. Right, right. Uh, a terrible thing about literature between the year 1900 and 1950 in English is that there's about four people who weren't fascists. Right. Uh, James Joyce is one of them. Uh, but but that's not very many others who who at least had some sort of fascist leaning uh, boiling under them, um, and of course we get we can get a broad enough definition of fascism uh, that is not a lie. It is not an untrue definition of fascism. But uh, you know, there's plenty of British nationalism. That well, that that's it's important to understand that but, fascism as a term doesn't necessarily mean direct affiliation with a fat with a known right, right, identified right. fascist organization. Right. Because, like but, as we all know, the the people who there are lots of fascist organizations that are not labeled fascist yes. organizations because they're the ones doing the labeling. But but yes, many of many of the modernists in English, many of the postmodernists in English were actually actively affiliated with right. with fascist organizations, including Ezra Pound. And unfortunately, including Gertrude Stein. Interesting. Uh, I don't know and this about is it. a thing this is a thing that only more recent scholarly research than certainly the recording of Brackage's lecture here is no matter when Brackage's lecture is, because it's stuff that really hasn't come out publicly since uh, after his death, after Brackage's death. Uh, he mentioned briefly in establishing Gertrude Stein during World War II, uh, and he talks about her being sort of resistance. Yeah, that's. Uh, I was a bit confused, because like, like, where you're going with this is fascinating. I don't know anything about Gertrude Stein. Literally, yeah. I, all I know is basically summed up in whatever Brackage just said in his lecture. Yeah, he has... He has an offhand caveat as he starts about, I'm talking about Gertrude Stein during World War II, in which he says she had been a supporter of Petain, but publicly regretted it. I don't know where she publicly regretted that. Petain is, uh, Marshal Philippe Petain is the uh, president of Vicky France. Right, okay. And... Gertrude Stein had publicly supported him, had publicly supported the Vichy France existence, which we've, you know, we've talked in the past that existing in Vichy France did not necessarily, you got to protect yourself, right? Right. We have plenty of artists who, uh, you know, every single member of the French resistance was living in Vichy France, right? Right, right. Uh, but, uh, there have been 
uh, private writings of Gertrude Stein uncovered in the last 10 years that suggest she was much more actively collaborating. Uh, and this is, of course, very controversial, uh, just to say about any historical person who has not always been known to be this, but also particularly for Gertrude Stein, who is a Jewish lesbian. Uh, she, yeah, I mean, by by nature of her existence, there was no reason she should have stayed in France. Right, right. And it seems that the way she was able to stay in France was to make some pretty big compromises. Right. That uh, that does, it does make... Yeah. Historic, I will, what I will say is that I don't know a lot about her, but at the same time, his story sounded odd. Yeah. Like, yeah. his story sounded very fanciful. And I, I did register that, but I was like, well, I don't have any other sources. I'm not going to argue with it because I don't know anything about it. But, like, it makes sense because, like, yeah, they're just like, oh, everybody in this town had to actively hide her for throughout the war. It's like, I mean, the Nazis very notably throughout the war did a lot to try to out members of the resistance, like, in pretty... Yeah. I mean, there was a lot of, like, convincing neighbors to turn on other neighbors and stuff, like, they were pretty successful at that. And like the idea that this person would survive the entire war with just sort of living there. Gertrude but like, yeah, Gertrude Stein was not an unknown person. Right. Exactly. It, it just seems uh, kind of, she impossible. was famous in her time. Right. Now, uh, all of that to say, I, I mention it with the Ezra pound because he has a tendency, uh, uh, has a tendency to, uh, uh, to lionize uh, fascist writers, but also, again, there were only you can count on one hand right. <laughs> the, and, non, and, and the I, writers I, I, he I would have grown would, up with who didn't have fascist leanings. Right, I, I uh, don't know if I want to make it clear, like I made it clear last week or not, but I do not believe that the package is a fascist. No, I no, just no, no, think no. that Brackage has, despite all of his apparent critical reading skills does yeah, not also the, seem to bother to critically read for fascism. Right, right. With with the Pound thing, it was directly because he was talking about a specific quote right. that Ezra Pound meant in a fascist manner, and Brackage was reading in a right, much choosing more to not pluralistic fascist, yeah. manner. Yes. Uh, whereas with Gertrude Stein, honestly, uh, Brackage's claim that Gertrude Stein is the best writer of the 20th century and that she was ignored because she was a woman, uh, scholarlistically, he doesn't need to defend that to me. Right. I don't necessarily agree with it, but uh, <laughs> it's it's true enough for him to say. Well, right. I mean, yeah, like such yeah. Hy- hyperbolic language like that is, right. is, is, she is not something. She is a very like good writer. Definitively prove regardless. So, yes, if, right. if that is what he thinks. That is a valid thing to think, right? Yeah. And and again, as I've already said three times in this episode, uh, every every one of Gertrude Stein's contemporaries were fascists. Uh, so, um, uh, you know, separating the artists from their work, uh, unfortunately for, uh, for a decades-long period of all of English literature, You've got to separate everyone from their right, work, right. Yeah, or mean, just yeah. not talk about uh, two or three movements of literature uh, in the early twentieth century. Uh, but yeah, anyway, that's my my English background boiling up. Uh, but I did find it interesting that uh, 
that once again he has talk, talked praisingly of a fascist. Um, and, and again, I I joke too because Gertrude Stein, even the scholarship, is not necessarily widely accepted and it's pretty shaky ground. Uh, what she did in France, uh, I think it would make sense if she had something else going on and the stuff that I have not done deep research on myself. I've just read a couple of articles a few years ago uh, that hopefully I'm not misremembering. I'm not trying to downplay Gertrude Stein uh, artistically, certainly, because Brackage is right there to respect her. Uh, in any case, all of that. The only reason we get that lecture on Gertrude Stein is because she is an artist that Brackage respected enough to give a lecture on, first off, yes, uh, but also respected enough to use her as inspiration for right, right. this cycle of films. I'm, I'm fat. Do you know the, uh, not that it was sort of, we, we kind of ended up, because the lecture is so interesting, we like, have already sort of like veered towards yeah. it instead of the film, but like the films, but like, was that part of like just his actual teaching lectures? Or do you know I what do the not believe so. that lecture? Because if he was teaching film, this would be a bit out of place, and it makes me wonder, like, so it's maybe got, and the way he's referring to the school doesn't appear to be a school where he teaches at. I don't know where he's right. giving it at. It seems like it is a place he has been invited to speak at, and he just decided yeah. to talk about so, Gertrude Stein. Like for some yeah, reason. so for the, lecture, for the lecture on last week's bonus materials, uh, we knew that it was a Beckwith lecture, uh, which is Tufts University's right. annual lecture series. Uh, with this one, we don't have any context around it uh, unless it was in the DVD venues only, and I didn't see it. Um, and uh, yeah, so um, it's just, it is a, as you said, it's very clear that the audience he is addressing seems to be college students, seems to be part of a lesson teaching. English literature, which is not what he teaches. So it's not his students, uh, but that doesn't mean it's not at his school, I guess. Right, yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot of possible I think he talks about... I no, don't think it's no, his school because the way he talks, the language specifically he uses to refer to the school is not an internalized language, but an externalized language. Right. He says something to the effect of like, oh, this school, or not this school, he says like your school. or something. He externalizes yeah. like... It implies yeah. that they this are This is a not, thing he was invited to do. Right, that right. this is not a school where he feels like he belongs. Now, who knows? Brackage is an odd bird a little bit, so like he might externalize right. language in a weird way, even when talking about a school he teaches at, because he doesn't want to internalize it and say, like, this is my school, it's just a place where they hire me to teach. Who knows? I mean, like, Brackage is the kind of person who would mold, is the kind of person who might choose to mold his language in that way. Right. Uh, to like to make a point. So it's hard to say. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So all four of the films this week, as I already said, are part of one series. They are all between 16 and about 17 and a half minutes. Yeah, long. they're pretty they're pretty similar in length. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And all all very right there. Um, first one. Uh I, yeah, I'm the first fasting. one this is, is 1619, the second yeah. one 169, the third one 1636, and the last one is 1741. I am so, like, yeah, th these are these are really interesting pieces. Um, I am fascinated by 
how they do contain some progression, but they also like this is the most sort of it's probably because we don't get whole cycles. But also, yeah. it seems like this cycle was completed in a very compact amount of time instead of over a, like the course of a very right. long time. There's they are thematically very they are all very similar, not in like not in what they contain like but like the 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 the, the aesthetics of them are all very similar. They all feel right. of a piece in a way that a lot of the other work that we've encountered from him has not. Because I think because again, a lot of his other cycles were recorded over decades. Like right, right, and this is like compact like it all happened in a relatively short time and so it's really fascinating because this is in in what i've seen of him probably the thing this is probably as a cycle the thing i i like the most in terms in that partially because it is it is comprehensible as a whole yeah Uh, a lot of the other stuff really isn't Um, i think in in brackage's life I think this would have been just after his separation from his first wife. It should wife. be. I think he separated late 80s from his from his yeah. um, his wife. His first wife. Um I mean, it it is worth noting that while it does contain personal things, it 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 really only contains like one scene of a child. Right. Which is a pretty big divergence from anything we had had a lot of the stuff we had had up until now. It yeah. is not Okay. Go ahead. Uh, he separate. He and Jane separated in eighty six. Yes. Uh, and he married Marilyn in eighty nine. So this okay. would have been just so he's, after he is, he is remarried their... at this point. Yes. So, I don't know. I I don't know that 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 biographical context is it's hard necessary to say with brackage. for brackage. It, 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 it yeah. is really hard to say with bracket. Like it is obviously because he's a human being and like the things right, that are happening right, in right. his life play a part in the art he makes. But because of the abstractness of his art, despite what he may say about that, um, those cues are a little bit harder to pick up on. Uh, there is a sort of, again, dealing with the fact of like the title and then the way these, there's a certain sort of sedateness to these that imply yeah. a kind of calm, uh, 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 a personal I, satisfaction or something to that effect. I will push back a little bit. Yes. Because I think that is true for numbers two, three, and four. I know. I was going to get there. Number one. Number one. Is not calm. Is I, much more frenetic. Number one. I I was going to, when we got to number one, I was going to get here. So we're here. Yeah. Um, number one. I can, I like it most closely in my head to not a horror movie, but a horror movie trailer. I think that's very fair. Yeah. Uh, if you added dramatic unsettling music stings to it. Yeah. You could put it on Hulu and scare me slightly while I'm doing the dishes. I think I think that with the right music mm-hmm. this could have felt calmer. Yes, it could have. It's really a time where you can see where Brackage were choosing not to include sound. His choice is meant to ex- accentuate the vid- the visual, but what it actually does is Leave a, a cavity for the human brain to fill in its own its own right right feelings. And I I I as can I associate jumps like jump cuts to pictures of dead people <laughs> and the color red as horror movie trailers that right, show up on right. Hulu while I'm doing the dishes and I can't and I have to like not watch the. I swear to God, we've talked about this before. I would. 
every streaming service that has ads should have the ability to mark just make like one checkbox and be like are our kids hanging out here do you yeah. want horror movie stuff like do you want but, horror movie trailers because like somewhat like they they it is in, interesting how intense a lot of them have become and how explicit a lot yeah. of them become in the actual trailers like really I, violent scenes in the trailers themselves I think we have talked about it yes, before, or, or maybe time. at least between you and I, because I'm also, in your description of that, reminded of a Thanksgiving I was at my parents, uh, where we were watching a marathon of Home Alone movies on AMC that were constantly yeah. interrupted by minute-long commercials for Walking Dead. Yeah, no, it's stuff like uh, that, and it's like, this is inappropriate. Like, you need the ability yeah. to... You need to judge well and it comes down to the fact that america is so strongly disassociated violence from being a like negative behavior right and a right. horror movie that kind of horror movie is directly is directly engaging with violence as 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 yes. part of the horror itself like so much like blood from people's eyeballs and shit and i'm like like i'm watching fucking right. master chef right like, right, right like leave yeah. me alone <laughs> I don't yes. want to watch so, your movie. So getting back to Brackett. Sorry, sorry. Uh, in the editing aesthetics of Visions and Meditation number one, there is certain horror movie elements right. that I think the silence does not help with. No. Uh, this one is... It is interesting that it is just the aesthetics of the editing, though. The actual scenes we're getting... Are pretty tranquil stuff. They they are. And this I, one, I I uh, because of the way the world has constructed, we have constructed our world. I now associate yeah. picture like black like uh, sepia tone pictures of of dead people with with horror movies. I just do. That's fair. That's fair. And like, we do get quite when a bit I see them in of... person. Like when I'm like physically holding a family heirloom or something, I don't. But like if I right. see them on screen, I'm like, ah, somebody's gonna die. Yeah, yeah. There's, like, there's, a, there's a ghost like graveyards in this, in this one too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's fair. It's not um, his this fault one, that, um, that the world is like that. Right, but, right, right. This one, unlike uh, nearly anything we've seen from Brackage before, uh, is not our nature scenes are not shot in Colorado uh, or somewhere else in the Southwest. This is New England and Eastern Canada. Uh, uh, so the mountains and stuff are Canada. Yeah, yeah, those oh, okay. are the 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 highest peaks of the Appalachians, I would assume, uh, given what we're seeing in this one. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like it, it, it's, it's interesting because, yeah, I mean, it's, I, you know, I don't know. There, there is, it is, it is hard to tell in yeah. this world when you look at just a just like a decontextualized I picture am, of a mountain, right? Where it is from. That's fair. No, I am. I am not basing that on my own supposition. I am basing that on information I have read. So, um, uh, yeah, I did not recognize any individual mountain in this to to name this as New England and Eastern Canada on my own. Uh, in any case, yeah. But this one's yeah. It's just much more frenetic, and it is. Uh, but I would argue that it is frenetic in relationship to the other ones in this cycle. It is not frenetic by necessarily brackage. Like, if we're using brackage as a meter for brackage, if I look back at the yes. other ones we've watched in this volume, this is 
not nearly as frenetic as a lot of the other ones we've watched. I think that's fair. I think with a title, Visions and Meditation, I was expecting something significantly less right, frenetic. Right, right. I get what you're, where you're and as such, as such, most of my notes on this one are around that. Right. Uh, that, well, what I'm yeah. what I'm curious about is this: is that like he's this is a cycle, right? And and you know, with like, so in the, like, I'm always been very curious about certain elements of Brackage's process, not like his actual physical method, like pra- uh, practice, but like because a lot of what he makes feels. I don't want to like. It's going to sound like negative commentary. It's not. Feels slapped together, but also kind of like generative. Like it's hard to imagine that Brackage knows exactly what he's going to make before he starts making it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, and I and I engage with art in this this form a lot. This is a kind of art I actually admire quite a bit, and I and I try to do myself is like allowing like what's in your mind at the time and like what you have access to materials wise to just dictate what comes out. Right. Um, Brackage feels that way. Like he's got a bunch of footage, but I don't, I can never get a handle on like, does he mentally script out what this is? It doesn't feel like he's mentally scripting out what it's going to be before he sits down to start making it. It feels more like an abstract painter who would sit down and say like, well, I have broad strokes in my mind about kind of what I want this to feel like. Let's try to make right. that thing that I want to make feel like a certain thing. Um, like, yeah, or someone like Jackson Pollock who right, right, exactly. had, like, had the CIA telling him exactly what to make. So. <laughs> but, <laughs> no. but you know what I mean, right? Like, they're not sitting down. Like, you would be, it would be a shocking revelation to discover, like, Oh, he sketched it out on the board ahead of time and was like filling it carefully. That's just not what right, was happening, right? Right, right, right. right. And, 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 and Brackage seems to be making, in many ways, the film equivalent of that, right? Like he's got a bunch of footage. He knows generally what's on every reel, but he's also, what he finds is to a certain extent serendipitous, right? It's got, it's got to be because there's no way you could script this out. So what's interesting to me is he's got four in this cycle. There's no, he may have a vision for what he wants each one to feel like. But there's no way in hell he knows what four is going to look like when, like, down to the, like, nitty-gritty when he's making one. Like, that's impossible, right? Like, he, like I said, he probably has an idea of what he wants it to feel like. He's got kind of, like, some mental images of, like, look at I want to use this footage, this, like, the feeling I'm trying to make. I know know that Brackage has done cycles in the past, but, but as, as a writer, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not a very good poet, but I dabble. Uh, I think that uh, poetic cycles and song cycles, you you don't necessarily start writing them as cycles. Right, right, right. Yeah, you, you get a related idea, and you think, oh well, I'll do a second one, and then well, if I did a second one, I should do a third, and then right. you have fifteen. Um, right. Well, I would assume like I would assume just based on just like. But, situation i would assume this one was much more probably intentionally meant to be a cycle just because he completed yeah. it all in such a short period of time right um, right 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 the right. other ones probably you are i i buy into that completely that though that one that took a decade yeah surely <laughs> this is a this right. is a project that got out of hand we got we got a lot of feature yeah. creep on this this the, this, this particular yeah. work and then some of his cycles like the the roman numerals one and the arabic numerals ones the individual films seem disconnected enough that 
their cycles yeah. by nature of how he labeled them, not by nature of anything. Right, right, absolutely. Whereas this one very them. clearly yeah. feels like a cohesive unit. And right, the reason I right. bring that up, though, is that like there is a sort of progression in the sort of style in this that like they get in many ways less frantic as the time goes on. I think and, that's we very true. Them. And and I and you can kind of almost imagine and this is all internalized here as the audience. It's not something he's like making clear here necessarily, but you can imagine him. This is a cycle of him too, like working through certain mental things that he's trying to deal with. This one is also much more nostalgic looking in nature. Like it keeps cutting to photos. It has more home footage e type things in it. Right. That, like that aren't like done for for. It has it has the of the three of the four it has the most sort of home footagey stuff that is not heavily augmented to create like some sort of visual um, dynamic right he uses home f- a lot of I mean obviously he uses a lot of footage he shoots it's all footage he shoots but like the later ones in the cycle play with it more yeah. to create a visual aesthetic think... whereas this one feels you'll actually see a picture of a building that is just a picture of a building in this one yes yes uh i mean th- to a certain extent they get calmer as they go along too right that uh, yeah, and that sure. might be that might be an indication that this is a cycle that that we're easing into the ability to meditate yeah i think right? so i i absolutely from, think that's the case yeah yeah from something much more frantic right. in this, real life. This, this one is much more closely associated with the real world. And yeah. each one going forward gets sort of more dissociated with like the outside world, right? It gets more like we go through a sort of one of them is particularly sort of psychedelic and the other, you know, they 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 clearly are easing into something. Right, right, right. Yeah. So number two is Mesa Verde. Which um, Criterion is the only place I can find that's actually titled Mesa Verde, huh. in as much as the parentheticals are titles. Um, the Plato's Cave attached to number three and D.H. Lawrence attached to number four both exist in other catalogs. Uh, Mesa Verde is what Criterion labels this, but not like, for instance, Wikipedia, huh. or uh, I don't think IMDb or uh, uh, Letterbox label this one. I could be wrong on Letterbox, but um, in any case, uh, this one is titled Mesa Verde, though, because all the footage is shot at Mesa Verde, which is a right. national park which in the U.S. Which makes me wonder if that might be a post hoc title where, like, somebody was right. like, well, you know, where you're trying to, like, make things distinguish, you're trying to distinguish things from, an- from right. another, right. and you say, well, this is the one yes. he shot at Mesa Verde. Yes. Number one. Number one, rem- and, and it's, it is true of all three of those titles, that they do not exist within the work. Right, right? yeah. He does not, like, they're not in the title screen for his, yeah. For his work. Yeah, these are all visions in, medica- uh, visions in meditation number something, um, or just the number two uh, in the case of number two. Uh, the, others, the others, he puts a number three, a number sign, and then three. Uh, but on two, it is just two uh, scratched onto the original title card. I love, I do love how Brackage does sequels like that. I think we had some in volume one as well, where where it's the second one in a set. So it's just the original title card with the two scratched right, onto yeah, the yeah, frame. Yeah. It's it, very good. It is fast. It is fast. It's um, 
What's what's got me really a, a thing I I was listening to a podcast yesterday. Uh, yesterday, 2 days ago, and the person who was talking was talking about a film they were they took they did film studies in in college and the program they were in like was was heavily focused on the idea that like the film students need to like engage with film as material as like mm-hmm. physical objects before they start like just working in digital because everybody's working in digital they're in their future they're only going to work in digital but like made them do an entire year dealing with film like actual film stock they gave them uh super eight and like you know had them and they apparently didn't even use a camera at first they just used they had to create art directly on the film i was like Wait a minute! Did Stan Brackage make this fucking curriculum? Is this like, right? right. Is this That's Stan Brackage's just... like? Did is this where he worked? Like, did he like make this curriculum and nobody's changed it in like two fucking decades? Like, right? Like, right. I was like, I it blew my mind. I was like, holy shit! Like, somebody's so there's a film there's a film department somewhere out there. He did not name the university. The person I was listening to, as far as I remember, but like there is a film program out there that are that are uh, that are die that is die hard stan brackage um uh yeah excellent yeah i uh, it blew my mind i I was like holy shit yeah i know where that came from oh that's very good um yeah yeah that's interesting of you know because i was the way brackage continues to use film right and we see people doing uh the sort of manipulations we can talk about with brackage in video it, well, are, see, that's where it gets interesting, right? Like, you can do some of the manipulations that Brackage does in video. Right. Like, it gets complicated, right? Then, we talked about this, because this is something I yeah. care about a lot. Right, right. Um, and then, obviously, obviously, when we get to digital, it's it's so easy. There is There are free programs to do this digitally, well, right? What, and what's <laughs> interesting about them is that you kind of get into the sort of uncanny valley, right? Because you can do what the format itself is natively capable of doing, right? Brackage is... Is playing. It's a physical object, and brackets can you can manipulate a physical object, right? You can change its anything about it, right? You mm-hmm. and so the effects he get are very much film effects, right? Like they are effects that are unique. It, many of them are effects that are unique to film that didn't e- exist in the video era, right? Like right. there's a reason why, like when you do video, you it's relatively complicated to do something that isn't dirty mixing right you like if you want to do direct overlays on top of each other in video that's relatively difficult to do prior to like computers coming on the scene and you being able to just like do that like like it's baby work right but like you know stan brackage is like really operating in in the realm of film right he's doing a lot of things like by directly like affecting the physical material of the film he is like if he wants to do an over, like if he wants to over like two things on over each other, he can literally just run two strips of film at the same time. It's like done, you know. Or you know, if he wants to be really complicated about it, he can you know run two two strips on separate projectors and like have them like interact with each other and like tone down the light source on one. Or lots of things you can do, right? To manipulate the physical object of film. Video gets weird because video causes interference with each other, and and video effects are very different looking than film effects. Uh, yeah. You're trying to get the same goals in a lot of times because, like, if you're not trying to make this kind of abstract art, but you're trying to actually, like, get a, like, usable, like, TV broadcast result, um, the, you know, it's... That's hard work, right? But you can, like, glitch things out easily, but, like, 
those are, those those are very different looking than film ones. And then you get into digital, you can kind of create both, but but at the same time, they never quite look like the real thing. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the digital effects, there's a sort of uncanny valley to it. Like if you tried to make Stan Brackage with a Stan Brackage type work with digital effect, like digital manipulation, you could do it. It would take you yeah. way longer than it took Brackage to do it. Right, right, right. And well, it would be monumentally harder, I think. And also, it would never quite look like what Brackage is accomplishing. Right. And like that's true with the video stuff too. Like the, the the glitch effects, digital like digitally faked glitch effects don't look like don't quite look like Absolutely. The 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 real thing. There's a reason why everybody who gets into that stuff eventually just has to go buy a bunch of fucking equipment and like do the real thing, right? Because like it doesn't right. look right uh when it's digital. And it's just interesting because like each one of them represents a different mode of engaging with what comes out. And Brackage is very Brackage has decided it's 1990. It is the era of video. Brackage like is very much decided. No, I am staying in the realm of film. I am going to. This is where I stay. Uh, he is still using really old film stock too. Like these don't look like they were made in 1990. These look like they were made in like right 70s, right. maybe early 80s. Yeah, particularly the. The way the light works here. Yeah. Uh, moving into into number two, really, uh, is when I first start particularly thinking about that. Yeah. Because as he moves in and out of the cliff dwellings, and the the light is adjusting in the camera. Yeah. Uh, we get some interesting. Well, color yeah. Differential in the light. You in the dark. really you get very strong. 70s home movie vibes right from right, like right, like right, uh right. like family not even home movie i guess like uh, you know what i mean like oh the family took a trip to mesa verde and like right we shot all, and, and like the parents shot all this like um um like yes of course footage. well that i don't think that's necessarily true here because obviously we've seen a lot of a lot of brackage home movies getting getting paired into other things. No, I don't think that's what uh, happened. I'm saying that's what right, it right, looks right, like. Right, 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 of course. The film stock uh, combined with the location reeks of like 70s family trip. Right, right. right. I do I do think the way the location is shot in this one is much more amateur documentary than amateur I agree. Uh, yeah. Well, I I family vacation. I, or I combine those because 90% of dads who went to like Mesa Friday right. decided they were amateur documentarians. That's fair, but ninety <laughs> percent of those ninety percent of dads had their kids in the frame walking through the doors. That's or, also true. Or scale that's, that's or also something true, like yeah. that, which we don't have. That's true. any of. That's a good point. Um, yeah, we don't have any. But what of that. what actually gets me about this particular one is you were talking. If we talk about this as a cycle about like sinking into a sort of meditative state, this one is that like period. You you you're sort of in it, but like this one is fucking psychedelic i I say psychedelic it's not really but like the number of overlays of images and the way they interplay with each other the light in each one is really this one one gets weird yeah (laughs) i mean this is also the one with the naked man which is presumably package i don't know um i i can't unless that's very old footage of brackage i would be surprised if it's he has no limitations of time like he can bring up footage from like 
30 years ago if he wants. He's got right. laying around. But, like, either way, it, like the way all the different light sources interplay with each other in this one is, like, really yeah. neat. Like, he uses, like, um, rippling water to cr- because, if like, by me- and messing with the contrast on it, like, you get only the highlights on the rippling water, and the right. overlays of it, it creates, like, a star field on the, on the cliffs. It's super neat. Yeah, yeah, it's really beautiful. Um, yeah, the the bit with the naked man and the deer, and <laughs> yeah. you know, a couple so, a couple seconds of solid blackness that's just cycling over and over again, right, and we yeah. keep cutting back to it and cycling again. And then there's one point where uh, the guy seems to grab his penis and violently shake his entire body. Yeah, there's a uh, lot of like this one. The 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 naked man feels the most like um what it it is the closest thing to something that like I could believe maybe Brackage didn't shoot. The reason I say that is it looks you know when you like really like look at really mm. old like early cinema like like film where like they would just like pick a subject and have him do something kind of weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're like, well we're just like trying to like we, like those really early experimenters in film where they're just like, I don't fucking know. Just get in front of the damn thing and do something. whatever like it doesn't matter like and like it kind of has that a bit of that feel to it it's like i wonder i wonder when it's from i I, it doesn't it also doesn't visually look like the rest of the film in this film yeah the the, like the film stock is different and stuff it's very it's different quality it's it's seemingly older if it is brackage it's certainly older right yeah 1990 brackage Uh, does not look like that but uh right but I, um, I suspect it might be him from, like, a fairly long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. But then again, I don't get the impression that Brackage has any, um, not to say something negative, like, overly negative about him, but we, we've kind of seen that Brackage does not have a really strongly developed sense of con- of consent in film. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, using somebody who's not him naked on screen is probably not, in the pursuit Certainly of art, it's not something that, like, yes. I would imagine Brackage is super concerned about. Right, right, right. Yeah. And that, you know, that's making, to have that be critique would be making assumptions about why this footage was shot, when, uh, right. by whom, for whom, and whether or not Brackage went back and got continuing Right, I mean, who knows whether or not he got consent. I just don't yeah. get necessarily that impression off of yeah. him. I will say, no, most certainly that film, just because like, Based on what we you know should, of Brackage, Brackage did not shoot any of this film for the purpose of making this particular right. cycle. And we and we do know that usually, at least, as we have seen in the past, when Brackage has human subjects in his film, it was not it was not people who were actively consenting to be certainly in the not be in the product film that, resulted, that we saw. Right, yeah. right, right. I mean, he has not, a very not informed at that. least. Yeah. It, right. I, it, it is, and yeah, who knows what the people who were being shot thought the thing. I mean, like, at some point he crossed into enough no- notoriety that everybody knew he was probably going to use the footage in some sort right. of work of art. And so right. at some point right. we kind of got, crossed into sort of this weird tacit consent. Yeah. Like, oh, Brackett yeah. is shooting us. We're going to be in one of his weirdo films, aren't we? Right, right. Whereas, like, right. at some, like, that, but who knows exactly when we, they crossed in the line. We're like, oh, this guy is known to be that guy. Yeah. Like, some of the stuff we watched last week seemed to contain a party at the Brackage house. 
if you go to a party at Stan Brackage's house, you probably assume you're going to be in a well, movie depending at some on point. when you right, yeah, probably yes. Right. But it depends right. sort of on when the fire footage was shot. If it's shot in like the early fifties, you or like late fifties, you may right. not really know that. That's how old is that's the footage? Fair. Like when was the man shot? Like on the ground, rolling around, yeah. grabbing his penis. Like was it in the era where like oh, it's this is Stan Brackage. I'm gonna be in a I'm gonna be in a weird one, or is this like like oh my my friend got a super eight and did and and we did a prank like who knows I don't right know. right knows? right, and I think you know if if we're approaching these as a cycle of attempting to meditate yeah, and the first one being very frantic very you know when the, when you first sit down to try and focus yourself you're trying very hard to block out the outside world and it's very intrusive and the bright reds and the more horror editing makes me think of that right in this one it's it's much more tranquil but that i that go ahead sorry i was gonna that sudden and unexpected jerk of the body here uh you know, but particularly if you are trying to connect to nature, uh, not that this is something I have a lot of personal experience with, but lying naked in a field uh, would suggest a an attempt to connect that uh, the act of being naked might might pull up intrusive sexual thoughts, right? right? And that might be the jerking. Right. This man does not seem to be masturbating. No, but no. Um, <laughs> that might be the implication of what right. we're seeing I, here. What, right. what I sort of took away most from this piece is, um, so in like in a process of meditation, right? And this is a different thing for everybody, but like yes. uh, in the process of meditation, so you get like past the sort of stage where you're trying to block out the outside world, right? You, you've kind of like, you've sort of turned internal. Like you, you're no longer like really concerned with the other, but there's still that sort of, time where your mind is sort of wandering to like sort of things that are not external but are external to this moment right where you're sort of like you're 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 kind of like kind of mentally wandering around the sort of landscape of your mind right like you're 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 you haven't gotten to the point where you've like reached true like you know and again different practices of meditation different styles of meditation have different goals in mind I, I tend to, like, only really know anything about the Zen meditation. And, like, the goal is to clear your mind completely, to be, like, a blank right. slate, right? Uh, again, like, I, I, my understanding is that other forms of meditation have other goals in mind That's not uh, sometimes. Um, but, like, this would represent a state where you're, like, still can't – you haven't gotten to that point, right? You're still thinking about things. Right. You're, you're not necessarily doing it in the most lucid way where you're, like – having concrete thoughts about like, well, what am I going to make for dinner tomorrow? You've blocked that part out, but you're still sort of wandering around. You haven't really reached true calm yet. It feels very much like that to me. And, and also the first one is a lot of nature scenes, but it's also, uh, um, we had some winter stuff going on, I think in that one and some graveyard stuff going on in that one. Uh, this one, uh, so that, that's sort of, uh, a meditation, uh, to perhaps familial history of of where I don't know Brackage's uh, immigrant story in his background, but uh, tying it to the East Coast and to graveyards and to sapia photos suggests a a look back at uh, 
when his people first came to America. Right, and it's also worth noting that Brackage is not a young man at this point, right? Right, right. And so, like, there's a tendency, right, as we get older and older to, like, thoughts of of our passing and our death become more and more present in our minds, right? And so that's a thing you would need to to deal with when you're trying to meditate, right? It's like your own own mortality is a thing that concerns you constantly as you get older. Yes. And we move into number two, and we get Mesa Verde, one of the most well-preserved cliff dwellings, which are uh, more ancient uh, Native American than uh, certainly than the founding of America, right? I don't know the exact date on Mesa Verde, uh, but it's my understanding that many of those cliff dwellings are occupied for centuries uh first off um but were uh were first created millennia ago um if if there's anyone who even has a guess as to when they yeah, were actually I, I, first as, at points in my life i have read some scholarship on it i don't on them i don't really particularly remember it super well because that was never like a thing that i was personally trying to research or learn about uh, right. But like, it they they predate <laughs> Brackage's people by a significant margin, right? right. Like, and, and that's a thing, right? Right? You start to that's part of the sort of deal, right? Like, oh, the the the, the thought thoughts of death and and the past lead inevitably to like things far more distant in the past, and like more there's a there's a through line there, right? Into like the deep past of 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 the world, right? Right. Yeah. The uh... The first thing I find, which is is uh, National Park Service website, suggests that the uh, the dwellings at Marisa Verde were built sometime in the late eleven hundreds. Yeah, my my so, if memory serves, and this is like really vague memory. I am not an expert on this. This is this is a memory of a thing I read once. I think is that they yeah. have been occupied and then not occupied on on sort of a cyclical right, basis right, for right, quite right. some time based yes. on like um sort of environmental conditions right right in any case it doesn't really matter how old they are to to what i mean to get at is uh i think in a anglocentric approach to meditation uh there comes a time uh throughout history and throughout personal journeys where the uh, nobility of the Native American starts to play into your approach to to wellness. Um, So this this very sort of calming look at Mesa Verde intercut with a man lying in a field naked, intercut with uh, the ripples of the water and the rain falling and the lights and the deer in nature. Um, it, it encapsulates a holistic sort of meditation that is the sort of thing where you go to the desert and sit in a sweat tent or something. You know, this, this escapism of, uh, from modernism of meditation that frequently happens, even more so, I bet, today than it was happening in 1990 uh but 1990 is really we're getting to the beginnings of that 
wellness culture as something, of course, the beginnings of that wellness culture is itself looking back as something to grasp hold of uh, boomer memories of the hippie movement, right? But uh, well, yeah, I mean, like the well, the sort of wellness movement stuff is 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 yeah. all wrapped up in a lot of a lot of weird, right, a lot it of is. weird shit, including including various uh, fascist movements as well. Yes, but it is certainly also all wrapped up in a response to uh, capitalism <laughs> of right. the Reagan era uh, and moving forward, right. And today we get that sort of same sort of wellness. Stuff well, right, yeah, because with, because that era of America has not right. has not actually has not ended, changed. Right? Like yes. we we are still in essentially the Reagan era. Right, we get different terminology of of, of treating yourself and uh, work life balance that gets us into those sorts of spaces today, uh, and again, still manifests as vision quests in Mesa Verde or whatever. Right, you know? right, right, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that's, you know, people making six figures a year going to starve themselves in the desert. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. yes, yeah. But anyway. Or, or various anyway, other that places is, that they deem right. sufficiently exotic right. to, like, right. get right. them into the proper mindset of, like, not modern American consumer capitalism. But, like, yes, yeah, yes, yes, it's a, you uh, know. You know, Tibetan mountains, right? right Desert-like right, right. retreats. You know, yeah. you know the deals. Yeah. Whereas, Vision Three, uh, we get into uh, an escapism that I I am familiar with. Uh, I was vicariously living through these clips of caves that <laughs> that uh, uh, Rackage is showing me here. Um, the Plato's Cave application here maybe has an ideological thing, but I really didn't grasp it. Uh, no, I, I think mean, it... I think it's more, I think the Plato's Cave thing is more, is, and this is maybe me not fully getting it, I think it was more just very, I don't think, I think it's mostly surface level. I think, yeah, it, I think it it's a lot of cave. And then yeah. he's like, well, I'm going to use the cave as a backdrop to show, display other images over top the cave. Right, which right, is right, right. very a very certain like not engaging with Plato's what Plato's trying to talk about in the cave, but rather like right. like what like I don't know how you I don't know how to articulate this rather than talking about what Plato's like philosophically talking about in the cave, rather talking about like the like actual descriptions that Plato's giving yeah. in the cave yeah. about dealing, like what dealing the with patterns would look like. Yeah, dealing with Plato's cave as a mechanical description yes, instead yeah, of a that's philosophical yeah, idea. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say uh, it's really cool. Yeah, um, primarily yeah, because the deep. thing he is painting onto the cave is a, in many times, is a lot of scenes of modern life, and right. he has specifically found images that are really fascinating to me because up until now, most of Brackage's images of quote unquote modern life are from somewhere in Colorado or something and have a very vintage 50s American feel to them. 40s, 50s, American. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's Main Street USA, right? Well, Brackage is in this one, probably by going somewhere else, or he's just dealing with the fact that like now he's got images of like what is still the past in 1990, but that sort of 60s, 70s renovation that a lot of places went under where everything became mid century modern. Uh, design mm -hmm. right and like department store display windows became like that that like really f like curved flat surfaces and you know what I mean the mid-century model yeah you know you know what I'm yeah. talking about and like oh yeah. you know 
I remember going to, and this is like drawing on really old memories for me, the JC the the mall in 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 Mansfield. When I had the facade, still had that going on, but the yeah. inside of that looked like that when I was a little kid. Yeah, it, it it was that like oh we redid we rebuilt this in the I don't even think it was around in the seventies but they built it in the style that was common to rebuild like shopping places in the seventies right like that that sort of weird mid century modern style, um, and yeah I I don't know like those displays that looks all very interesting painted on top of caves, yeah. Uh, what is fascinating yeah. also is that like these are all past memories for Brackage because this is 1990. That is also the past. Right. Um, another very interesting aspect to number three is that this one has a soundtrack. Yes, it does. It is a rad-ass soundtrack. And it is a rad-ass soundtrack. I, uh, I, music, go ahead. Music composed by a man named Rick Corrigan, who is not someone I'm familiar with. Uh, this is a very minimalistic, almost 1960s French electronica. Yeah, stuff yeah, it's going right on. That, yeah, it's it's got right. a lot of it's got a very like early synth feel to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brackage clearly, in my opinion, this proves to me definitively that Brackage was wrong about his own work. Yeah, his work is infinitely better with soundtracks that are purpose built for his work. Right. Right. That Brackage dropped the over his entire career. And this is a very strong statement and it and I'm wrong. I I'd be hyperbolic. But Brackage to a certain extent over his entire career dropped the ball by not finding musical artists who match his visual aesthetic, who he feels a kinship with and getting them to compose things for his work. Yeah. There is a point in the second half of this one. And of course, we are we are approaching watching this work with the knowledge that we're going to talk about it, right? right. So there's a certain amount of scholarly approach going into how right, we're yeah. watching this. Yeah, right? we try not, to do critical We're not necessarily we're not like right. experts at it, but we try. Yeah. And we're certainly we're not necessarily Attempting to approach every work is just letting it wash over us. And and that might be a mistake with some of Brackage's work. And it's certainly been a mistake with other movies we've watched too. Right. But there is a point in the second half of this one where the music sort of dies down into something lower, something that reminded me of hearing my own blood flow mm -hmm. across my eardrum in my skull. And the visuals we're getting while that happens is just hay blowing in a dust devil. Yes, yes, yeah. And yeah. in that moment, uh, at which point we're 40 minutes or better into this whole cycle, in that moment, Brackage forced me to be meditative. That was... <laughs> that yeah, was, no, and, and right? here's the thing, is the, is the music goes a long way to that. The music yeah. plays a pretty significant part in inducing sort of can can play a pretty significant part in inducing a sort of meditative and, state. Yeah. And I said this I said this during episode one of Brackage Volume Two, you know, four weeks ago. I I there was a quote I think from Aristotle about uh uh the soul's uh is it the soul imagining um with a picture or something like that. Uh -huh. 
Uh, and I said, you know, my soul imagines with a soundtrack. And that is because, I don't know, it's probably ADHD, ultimately. Uh, undiagnosed, certainly, if it is. Um, but in providing music here, it was one less place for my brain to wander. Right. No, it, it is very significant. Like, it, yeah. it, that is a very real thing. Like, I again, I don't know enough about brains in general right. to know. But I like, will. Yeah. I, I will also say, my first my first note that I wrote down this week, uh, in thinking about Brackage rejecting sound, what do you think Brackage thought was the ideal way to experience Brackage film? Well, we talked about that like two or three episodes ago, and I've yeah. never gotten a really good grasp on that. I don't know what a Brackage showing looks like. Yeah, because uh, we talked about one... whether or not showing Tarkovsky in a in a in a fucking hotel room on top of a dresser and i and i while that is a official bracket showing i would argue that's probably not his standard methodology yeah and we also know from bonus materials that other bracket showings are bracket lectures talking about his work and then saying i'm going to show this be it in a classroom setting or an auditorium i suspect that is the natural state of bracket that is i suspect the natural state of goes to a place and shows his work is it, it might be the natural state of brackage, but is it the preferred state of brackage? I don't that's, know. Uh, that's yeah, really I mean, who the knows what I'm he after. wanted to do? Certainly yeah. by 1990, <laughs> it is because that at some point he would have yeah. to personally internalize. Well, this is the only way these things ever get shown is when I yeah. go on tour and show them. Right? Is this right. is brackage preferred method uh, on the inside of a coffin? Should it be a sensory deprivation except for the image? I don't think so. Is that what we so. need? I don't uh, think so. My my other interpretation of Brackage, especially when we get into the painted work, was always that the other way I could conceive of Brackage being displayed, if Brackage is not there to display it purposely to his audience, which, mind you, like because of the way his cycles work and stuff, like he would never be showing the whole cycle probably. This one he could, right. but like... He's probably showing like, oh, I, these are the last three works I made, and here's another one that I want to show, or whatever, uh, or these all feel thematically connected, and then I'm going to show these five because they're thematically connected, or whatever. But my other way of interpreting Brackage would be the only other way I can interpret it is almost as museum pieces, right? Because I've seen that right. before in my life, where you just run, this is on a loop, and it just plays on a wall, yeah. Or it plays in a small, very small black box theater inside of a museum, or like I said, it yeah. projects directly just a on a wall. Just a darkened room. Yeah, yeah, and, and, um, and you just play it on a loop, and people can like view it as though it is a painting that doesn't ever quite fully form itself. It's always constantly right, a painting. Right. It's a painting in motion. And certainly, certainly, with the painted cells, they are painting right, in motion. exactly. And, and some of them. You know, you know they're they're between what thirty seconds and eight minutes long, so yeah. you know there's there's a lot of room where you're able to stand in front of a wall and consume it and and get everything. Um, when we get into something like visions of meditation, it's a longer piece. I made that note though because I during during meditations number one, I ate an entire cantaloupe. Okay, and I think that's that can't possibly be. <laughs> You don't Brackage. think Brackage I, timed his workout to the the time it takes to eat a cantaloupe? Maybe, maybe. Uh, I think that the the smell and flavor of eating while consuming Brackage 
is definitely not something Brackage would have anticipated. No, no, give, you're certainly he not. He didn't give wine pairings to his movies, No, right? certainly not. So. I do not believe that Brackage his work is meant to be paired with food and or, or drink, um, <laughs> right. necessarily. Uh, yeah, I don't know. He, I, I, I have been giving, I since we started this, I've been giving thought to that. And it's a thing I thought about a long time ago, too. And this is just sort of drawing back up a... I thought, and I, I can never come up with a final answer. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I'm sure we could find out what he, I think what he ended up doing is mostly taking his work to places and showing it and talking yeah. about it yeah. for interested well, audiences. From that thought, I, I started thinking, and it's, it's maybe interesting. You know, we've experienced directors before who are playing, playing with something uh, particular ideas of what film is and can be, right? Mm-hmm. And part of that sometimes, you know, Bresson's obviously the major example of of getting into film in its essence or whatever, of uh, pursuing film in its essence. And certainly um, someone we enjoy a little more <laughs> in doing that is, uh, say, um, Dreyer, sort of that, that breaking down of what, what film right. is into its parts. But we also get people like Brackage or people like... Uh, Godard, who are who are playing with the idea of what film could be, and I think it is kind of interesting to me. And it's not it's not Criterion's place to put anything out, but we've never had anyone talk about what the viewer could be doing other than just viewing and hearing the film. Right, uh, right, well, and something I mean, else because I think the thing about it, right, is that when you get into something like Brackage. You are dealing with somebody explicitly where the mode of consumption could be different. Right. Everybody right. else we have talked about, it's not really, that's not the case, right? Like, it could be different, but the, 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 the like, sort of native state of being is in a theater with other people right. in a theater watching. And because bear in mind, up until whatever, the 1990s, that was the na- natives, that was like the natural state of viewing for every film ever made, Right was in a theater with other people watching this thing on a screen, right? Uh, home video changed the nature of, of possible viewing environments dramatically, right? Um, yeah. But, like, now, Brackage is probably an exception. It's probably still the way you view Brackage, but it, the difference would be that, like, you're, I think you're probably much more likely to see Brackage in, like, a classroom or, like, a, right, right. Or like you know, you know what I mean? Like the the, the difference would probably be the difference between a a a a, a, a movie theater yeah. where people watch movies for fun and the sort of place where people watch movies for learning. Right. Like the only the only person who produced film for an experience that went outside the film are people like William Castle, who are like installing electric buzzers in your seats. Right. So that you uh, yeah. Get the, it's a, yeah. it is. A, it is fat. It is interesting to note that Brackage, as a rebel against what sort of standard film is, is still barely pushing on the edges of the box, right? Yeah. the The medium itself seems to sort of be self containing. It, it doesn't allow people to extend itself, and and it, that has changed a lot too in recent times because we have the ability to put f- like moving pictures in so many more places than we used to, right? Right. Um, so, like, Brackage was always on gas going pumps to be... On gas pumps. Yeah, well, really. Like, yeah. Brackage right. was always going to be 
even in his express his intent to express things that were very outside of standard film, hemmed in by the fact that like, well, I have to have a projector and a place to project to. I can't. There's no other way to do this thing. Those two pieces of equipment have to be present and like functional. Whereas now you could put a fucking screen on any goddamn old thing. Like yeah, and and right, right. but the funny thing is. Is in the process of of accomplishing that. Not to get up on a weird high horse, we have that has come simultaneously with a near like a near sort of like complete stagnation of the, of the art form itself, <laughs> to the extent where like you can put a screen anywhere, but you're never like. I mean, that's not to say there are not really brilliant artists doing a lot of really brilliant shit out there. Uh, right, it's just that right. like you're going to be hard pressed to find somebody in the main, like fully mainstream doing anything really experimental with the fact that there, there can just be a screen any old day in place at this point. Right. Um, right. So getting back to visions and meditation, number three, the music here is also experimental in much of the same ways yes. that, that, uh, Brackage's visuals have been experimental. Um, my and only, it's doing okay. very interesting things. And I think it really works. You were, I, I think it works really well. Yeah. Do you have a complaint? You're no, going, you were complaint. saying my only thing. No, yeah, my yeah, it. I was going to say it's like my only thing is it is surprising to me how electronic it is to be mm-hmm. paired up with a brackage work. Whereas I, my mental association has been that like I don't think brackage is like anti technology or anything like that, but like I never got the impression that brackage was like super into technology either, right? Yeah, yeah, I could, I could see an electronic uh, sort of this sort of weird thing soundtrack working really well with a back bracket visual piece that is made to the music in the same way. Right. right, right, right. Um, in much the same way that we had the soundtracks applied to that, uh, science is fiction box set of the nature videos. Right. The music yes. Applied yeah, to yeah. It. Obviously that's the music being particularly applied to the visuals, which is probably what we have going on here. I, I assume. But, yes. But I think someone could do that to a Brackage piece, or Brackage could choose to create his visuals to a pre-existing musical piece. Right. I suspect that Brackage made. wouldn't do that, just because. Yeah. Bra- I I can. Uh, and we're making we make so many assumptions about this man, but right, like, right. My interpretation think, from the way he talks about his production, the way I've come to understand his production, is that that would be probably too limiting to a certain extent. Like right, he wouldn't right, he wouldn't right. want to have to hem himself into like keeping with the beat and all that stuff. I think that's it's probably, probably a lot there. easier to go yeah. the other direction where the musician matches the visuals right. than the other way around. Yeah. Um, another real interesting thing that happened with the music in this one is right at the end where, uh, where Brackage lets the music continue over a black frame. Yes. Uh, and presumably Brackage is making that editorial decision. Um, and it's as we get to the end, and the music itself is doing something very interesting because it's still electric. It's still electronically produced, but it's starting to produce sounds that sound like frogs and insects in the night. Yeah, yeah. Uh, as it dies off, which I found very interesting. Just just what, what Rick Corrigan has managed to do with the music in this is itself an interesting thing. Yeah, it is, and, and, it, and it is really well balanced against the visuals it, it doesn't feel like yeah. it's overpowering them it's it's not like a right. giant orchestral piece that would drown they out are, brackage's work they are working symbiotically in a way that i would love brackage to have now, done more of <laughs> yes me too 
I want to double check. Like you, you've read the background material on this. You had access to the DVD and all that stuff. Brackage did commission having this connected, right? Yes. This isn't one of those yes. things where like Criterion, like, because you know, like old black and white films, a lot of times Criterion would be like, well, we had to come up with it a is, soundtrack because we have no idea what it was supposed to be. And we asked this guy. It is, it is his soundtrack is, for this. It is my understanding that okay. that is the case, at it, least. Just got to be sure, right? Because, like, yeah. this is a man who has shunned audio for all of it. Like, like, I could see a right. weird world where, like, Criterion was like, I don't think they would do this. But, again, Criterion's goal is not archive. I archiving it is making money. Um, where they would be like, well, this, like, experimental musician that is pretty cool made this art, uh, the soundtrack for this, and, like, Brackage is gone and dead. We will just do whatever the fuck we want. Right, right. This is this not... This is not like the Yola Tanga stuff for right. Exactly, fiction. that's exactly this what I'm not, thinking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is my understanding that this was originally produced, and okay, that the good. the credits attached to this, that credit Rick Corrigan. Oh, I guess that's are, true. I I had forgotten about that. Yeah, or at least true. in the style of all the other Brackets credits we've original, seen, yeah, which yeah. does not necessarily mean that Brackets produced all of the credits we've seen. Those somehow those could have gotten applied by. Someone at some point too. But well, Brackett sure as shit scratched one of them up. So who knows? Right, right, right. That's fair. So, yeah. So I'm Corrigan. Um, Corrigan had an album I ran across. I didn't do as much research on Corrigan as uh, as I had hoped to. As you obviously should have. Corrigan has an album called Soundtracks for Brackage uh, oh. that was released in 2012, and it has. Uh, It has two sides. Okay. Um, well, this one, starts to make me feel like maybe it goes the other direction then. Yeah. Back into like uh, the other weirder one. Yeah. Um, the artwork for it are scenes from the pieces these are attached to. Uh, track Side one, track one, is four percussive movements. Uh, parenthesis, boulder, blues, and pearls, and... Uh, uh-huh. dot dot dot. I'm I'm on, uh, I'm on discogs. Right. Yeah. I'm looking at this as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, track two is requiem. Uh, parenthesis crack glass eulogy, and presumably the parenthesis are the name the bracket the films these are associated. Yeah, with, I so, assume. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then side B is memory suite, which is visions of meditation three, Plato's cave. Um. Yeah, and. Th- you know, obviously, if he, if he was producing them for the films as they came out, this is a point where he collected all of that into one right. release. Right? Well, it's worth noting that Boulder Blues Pearls and is on the is in the next program. Oh yeah, so we'll uh, we'll have a chance. I don't know to, about uh, the last one. I don't. What was the last one called? Oh no, Visions of Meditation, Plato's Cave is the last one. Boulder's Blues, right. Crack Glass Eulogy. I wonder if that's. I don't think that's in this set that we're. No, it's right, not. Right, right. Um, hmm. I wonder which, if that was in volume what's one. What's weirding me out here is that, like, Wikipedia was so specific about how Brackage basically didn't use sound at all, except for in, like, two or three pieces, and none of these were listed on there, which makes me worry that it's not a fish. I don't know. It, but it feels real. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm I'm now living in a very like scary like in between space where I'm like 
I hope this isn't just a thing where Criterion just decided to add the soundtrack made by this like artist that they thought was cool and like just slap it on there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how we could ever get information like other than getting a hold of the DVD insert again and like digging around in it. I don't know how you could ever figure that out. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm sure in the descript like you know in that liner I'm sure it says that but that is probably like um the only place where that information would exist. Yeah. Uh, in looking up Crack Glass Eulogy, it seems other places have credited as with music by. Okay, uh, well, that that's that helps. Yeah. So, so yeah, I assume, I assume Corrigan produced these on on Stan's request for the release, uh, in contract with Stan for the release. Right. right, uh, right. But yeah, in any case. It works super well, and I'm glad it exists because it helped me pay attention yeah, to this totally. one better. I, I only I only worry about it because, as as I've previously talked about, I get overly concerned with trying to like give myself a pure right, right. brackage experience. If that makes sense, right. yes. I don't know why I'm obsessed with that idea because well, like I but don't I am. I don't recommend if you're obsessed with that idea eating a cantaloupe during any of them. Right. It did not. Well, did but not work. Alternatively, one of the only ways I could ever do that is f- somehow make me making a cardboard cut out of Tarkovsky and like sitting in a hotel. I, it's really <laughs> yes, just not going to yes, be. Yes, There's yes. a lot of work involved. Um, hire, hire Japan's number one Andre <laughs> Tarkovsky impersonator. Uh, <laughs> just like, I wonder, like, I don't think that person exists, but maybe to, if I look hard enough. To sit behind you as we watch the final two sessions And like just of say this. really rude shit in, in <laughs> Russian. In Russian, of course. Well, I don't speak just, Russian, so he can just simulate yeah. it, but, you know. Yeah. All he has to do is sound angry, which is very easy to do in Russian anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, moving on to Visions and Meditation number four, parenthesis D.H. Lawrence. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This one. Well, okay. I do as, have, like, my thing about this one is, and I think this is the right one. I, I made some very mild notes, about it, but like I, yeah. my notes are not clear to me. So good job, Pat. Um, this one is the most sort of like purely art piece in the sense that like we've now, as far as meditation is concerned, we've completely dissociated from the real world. There's very few images of like right. truly, I mean, there are, but there are very few things that would even cl- that closely approach like, hu- it's mostly zoom ins on stuff and yeah, like blurred well, there's, out stuff. There's a couple animals in in horses, particularly in the very beginning. And close to the start, we get a man looking in a window reflection. Um, I believe the film, well, filming in the his own reflection in a window. Right. Um, so, you know, it's that, through that mirror darkly sort of thing, too. And, and throughout this one, we've got really heavy blue overtones on everything. Yeah. Uh, and yet somehow this is still warm uh yeah. despite being so cool in color uh, well uh, also it, it 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 moves towards a warmer color palette as the as the thing yeah. moves on i believe um there's like i'm, I'm kind of as we talk i always feel a need to like sort of review the the footage on these. right um what i will say is this one i made a memo of it but i did notice it in the other two as well not in the first one really at all but in, in two and three three more than two like it kind of escalates 
an interesting thing that I've that same sort of color like light play that Brackage was doing in two, in three and four he starts using it for a different effect. He almost starts using it to create like the film equivalent of like static and like visual yeah. noise. Rather than yeah. like in the first one, in number two, he uses it mainly to create a sort of like light pattern that looks like stars. That we've seen him do sort of that kind of thing before, not that ex- not this extensively, but here he starts using like images of like moving across the ocean or like sand dunes or 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 sand or, gra- or like really extreme close-ups that creates a sort of um, difference pattern across the screen. Some sort of right that that it's it's just film. But again, once again, like overlaying it in the right. the nature of film there's, means that like it creates a sort of static pattern across the screen, which is really interesting. Yeah, yeah there's there's bits in this one where we're in like salt flats. Yes, yeah. And we're 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 hyper down on the surface of the sand, and we've got the wind blowing patterns in the sand, and it it is indistinguishable from television static. Right, and so uh, it's really right. fascinating to think about as getting into sort of, a, and you know, we are kind of to a certain extent wrapping up our experience with the brackage, and I've and I've talked a lot about like sort of different modes of like manipulating images, and like it is interesting that brackage is recreating some of those that are more video effects, but using like film to do it. it it's it's fascinating. Like, it, it almost has to, it, I cannot not assume it's a commentary on like the nature of like, like right, moving right. picture art in in the time period this was made. Yeah. Whereas whereas number three with the sound helped me feel the most meditative out of any of the set. Number four really is more deliberate, slower, right. quieter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, <laughs> quieter. I obviously auditorially quieter compared right, to the yeah, last but one I know in that mean, there yeah, is like no it sound is, again. It is visually but also, quieter as well. Yes, yes. It is It is the least disruptive to your sort of like mental tranquility, right? right? You are, you right. are, it, it, there are very few, to, there are jump cuts because that's all brackets, I mean, brackets just right. does that. But they are, they tend to be less jarring. You're not moving from like dark to light and light to dark. You tend to be moving more gently across the spectrum of, of light yes i don't want to derail us but as you said jump cut because that's the only thing brackage does can you imagine a world where brackage only used star fades <laughs> well uh, i will point out that this one has multiple actual fucking fades in it it does it does i think they're happening in camera with brackage when he's filming it. i think he's you know yeah. Just and we've the, seen the, we've seen Brackage do actual fades. Yeah, before, it's just too, it is right? worth noting but, that this one, to make it more tranquil, in part includes actual fades, yeah, rather than just like fucking like color, 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 color. Yeah, this one is not like that. Uh, this one never really wants you. It doesn't it generally sort of eases you into each sort of like palette right. change. Um, but yes, I yes, Brackage as using exclusively star wipes is is. Or just any any of the wipes that feature in right. in your Star Wars, where like yeah. Lucas just yeah. fucking loved every wipe, like <laughs> right, right, wipe right. to the left, wipe to the right, for like yeah. up, like you know, just <laughs> I love it. I I um, want him to do the Looney Tunes one, the 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 yeah, this this the the fucking like circle like the yeah. circle in yeah yeah, uh, but yeah, the the blueness of this one is a blueness of dusk a blueness of mental tranquility a blueness of clouds moving across the sun uh it is 
yeah, it is one. If these are a process of meditation, this is the one where we have achieved our our state of Zen, right? Or the and, closest and, we're going to get, right? And interestingly enough, we kind of, to a certain extent, I think at this point, achieve something very close to Brackage's like internal commentary on himself, which this is as close as Brackage gets to actual tranquility. It feels like, you know what I mean? At least in his art, right? Like this is more tranquil than all the other ones. But this is not actual calm, right? Yeah. Like, it includes scenes of calm. Like, he'll show, like, pictures of just, like, grass or horses. or, But, like, he never... And, of course, this would defeat, to a certain extent, I think, for him, and logically, internally, it would defeat the purpose, right? It's never just going to be a steady shot of just, like, a fucking field of horses for five yeah. minutes, right? Because that's not what he does. But at the same time, the nature of his art inherently fights back against the, the concept of, of, of pro, projecting true calm, right? right? Brackets can't just show you one single, like, color for 17 minutes. Right, right. Which is what, yeah. like, achieving that actual state of meditation would be, right? But Brackage can't do that. Yeah. So his own, his own artistic form fights against it in this. Right. Yeah. The title of this one, D.H. Lawrence... Um, none of the D.H. Lawrence work I'm familiar with seems to have been a direct inspiration to what we're doing here. In the same way that the last one was titled Plato's Cave, there is sort of free association going on, perhaps. And and that's cool because D.H. Lawrence is, in early British modernists, the stream of conscious is is heavily in that movement. Um. So I think probably it is a relationship of the idea of stream of consciousness into this one. Right. Uh, it's interesting, though, to to choose Lawrence for that. One, because I feel like Joyce or Virginia Woolf would be a better choice if you're just making the the stream of consciousness connection. Uh, but also because D.H. so much of D.H. Lawrence's work is just overtly sexual. Uh, that right, yeah, which is I, I not wonder, something we get in this one. No, not at all. And and yeah. I do wonder about that. But like, I I I don't. Brackage's like little subtitles, I think, are not really intended to be used very extensively with regards to like understanding meaning. Um, yeah, I will say that it's also weird that like this is the only one that that he would do this with because the reality of the matter is is that. All of Brackage's work is essentially engaged with that that sort of artistic philosophy, right? It all of his work—that's what I was kind of getting at—feels very right. stream of consci- consciousness, right? right? right like it, right. It, it always feels that way. He describes himself as producing it in the trance. Of course, we know that that's like that right, would actually right. be impossible. Like otherwise, yes. he would have like yeah, mostly and, just made a mess. But okay. he is he is trying to enter a sort of stream of consciousness state when he's making these things. He's said that himself. And so we, um, he's always engaged with these sort of philosophies of art. So it's like, well, why, why this one? I mean, I don't know. He just felt like it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or maybe there's some very tiny line in one particular writing that like set him off. I get, Brackett is also the sort of person who would like read one sentence in an entire book and be like, ah, this one right here. This is what I was thinking of. Yeah. It's it's maybe interesting. Well, 
Lawrence, Lawrence himself is not really stream of conscious. I don't think anything Lawrence wrote was in the stream of conscious. Obviously, he's associated with modernism, and modernism is associated with stream of conscious, and that's why he sort of connects those. And certainly, Brackage is working in sort of a stream of conscious. That definitely describes thing, Brackage, regardless right? of like Lawrence's yeah. sort of style. Yeah. Like Brackage is dealing with that sort so, of that sort of modernism, like well, yeah, yeah right. But I think I yeah, I think there is there is something to be said about Brackage's relationship to art being early 20th century in a lot of ways, I think. Yes, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's all he ever talks about with regards to his Right, of course, influences. you know, he's born He's born in 1930. He's coming of age in, in the early 50s, and when he talks about his earliest artistic influences, we're talking about Gertrude Stein, we're talking about uh, Ezra Pound, we're talking about writers of the 30s and 40s, right. people who are producing work as he grew up, not people who are producing work as he enters adulthood. Uh <clears throat> So, you know, but he's also, Lawrence is really the only one he reaches out to so far in, in our experience. Well, Plato, of course, argue, <laughs> inarguably, is, well, is prior to his lifestyle, but that's unfair. Uh, Lawrence is someone writing in the 20th century who predates, you know, he dies in 1930 and Brackett right, is right. born in 33. So he's not experiencing Lawrence's work as he's growing up. Those, uh, no doubt... Uh, you know, Lawrence, Lawrence, Lawrence made big waves with, you know, things right. like Lady Shatterley's Lover, uh, getting, getting challenged throughout the 20th century. So, uh, well, yeah. I, I kind of want what, what I find as a sort of like commentary on Brackage in my head is Brackage seems to be, I don't know how to, he is very, obviously very artistically talented, very creative person. Influence wise, seems to be achieving sort of old fuddy duddy status very, very early. He yeah. doesn't seem like he never in anything we ever watch of him. And again, we have very limited references to this. Doesn't seem to be super engaged with any art made after a certain point in time. Right, right. As an artist, like you would expect, and like this is not universally true or anything like that, but you would expect him to continue to be abreast of of modern art movements. And I think he probably is, but he only ever talks about influences with regards to right. People mentions, who are all dead by the time we're doing most of these yeah. interviews. He mentions Pollock in his right. dismissiveness of the word abstract being applied to himself in as much as he is dismissive of being applied to, to Pollock. Pollock right. Well, yeah. yeah. In again, but, the most, like pedantic argument you could ever make about yeah. the word abstract, but never the mind, never that, yeah. never you mind that. But he he's attempting to make purely visual art, right? Yes. But he is not. He is not in line with visual artists. The painted frames get Pollocky, certainly. Yes. Um, but he is not of a Pollock school in his visual art approach. And he doesn't view what he's doing as abstract film. He talks about it as visual music. Right. Uh, and I really do think, you know, I think it's probably just because I came up with the term to apply to it before I heard Brackage call it visual music. But visual poetry, I think, well, is maybe also more true to life that here. Brackage only ever talks about poetry when he talks right. about... Right, it, Brackage and that's sort of, why. he tells on himself, and he's not like, I don't think he's wrong. I think he 
the the visual music is apt probably because of its like sort of unceasing nature and the fact that you can't just like yeah in order to experience uh, it you must pause it or to, you must play it you can't pause it whereas yeah poetry is is more dynamic in the sense that like you are you the reader are in control of your motion through it yeah um I, I i understand why he would avoid necessarily using that term but this is a person who is heavily invested in the written word right. as as art yeah um, far I more think... than he never talks about any music he never talks about any other filmmakers he talks right. about poets and writers and that's yeah. all he ever talks about I mean, certainly in in attending whatever film event it was that he met Tarkovsky, he invites Tarkovsky to see his films because he respects the work of Tarkovsky. Yeah, right? no, we we know that so, he obviously so we does know, engage with them. He, yes. We know that he knows it and he engages engages with it. But it really seems clear from hearing Brackish talk and really, you know, uh, looking back in light of what we've seen of Brackage in Volume Two, even looking back on what we saw in Volume One. I think Brackage views himself as a member of the postmodern literature movement. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I agree. Completely. Yeah. I think that's the only way to... Uh, and so, like, and as a person who is a member of that movement, he still engages with modern... Like, right, right. So culture, but, like, it's not important to his work. I think the most telling thing about Brackage with regards to this is the fact that of the films we've seen, in this collection, exactly one use any sort of stock footage or outside clips. Twenty third Psalm right. Branch use it. Everything else is self shot. Well, that's means... not entirely true because we did have the other one that was stock footage. Oh right, uh, right. Last uh, week, what was the name that of that? Also one? dealt with oh. death. It was a uh, uh, murder, murder something. Yeah, murder. Remember. Was it? Was it like murder song? I don't remember. Um, yes, you're right. It was, Sorry. Yes. But by and large, we've we have a pretty we have at this point experienced a pretty wide breadth of brackage. Murder in song our was the title of that, yes. And brackage generally works with his own self-shot footage, which I think is not necessarily. I'm not, and this is not negative or anything like that, but this is very telling. That brackage is not engaging in his art necessarily directly with outside culture. Right. He might be commenting on it from time to time. But he's very, it's very internal art. We, we talk about him not showing himself, and he doesn't, right? We don't learn a lot necessarily about Brackage from his work exactly, except for and in, even, in our interpretations of the abstract images that he's producing. Even Murder Psalm would have been, uh, so much of the, the stuff he's using in Murder Psalm would have been stuff that came out when he was in middle school or high school. The, right, right, the, yeah. The PSA videos about, uh, nuclear preparedness. The cartoon we see is is of that era. Yeah, it's sixties uh, or fifties, yeah. probably. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it, it, it is into his twenties, certainly some of that, but still early. But yeah, in his but life. yeah, what the, it still goes to the point we're talking about, which is from all I can interpret, Brackage decide at some point. Brackage's for, Brackage forms a hard line of like. Well, generally, again, he doesn't use outside material very much at all, and like he he has his influences that he considers his like direct acknowledged influences. They're all written works, and then except for except for Pollock, Pollock is probably the only exception to that. Right. Um, 
And then everything else is obviously influential, right? Because you can't live in a culture and not be influenced by said culture. Like, that's impossible, right? And I don't think Brackett would make that argument anyway. I don't, I don't imagine Brackett's like arguing, no, 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 I, I am a stone. I am unmoved by the world around me or anything right. like that. I, that. That's not the impression of the person I've gotten here. Except yeah, for like, he, he doesn't see he those. Well, I don't he, think he sees those things as formative. I think right. he sees them as the culture around him, but he doesn't seem particularly engaged in, um, interested in engaging with them. He's interested in engaging with the ideas presented by the literary works that he considers formative to him. Right. Um, again, I'm I'm not sure. I just don't. I don't. I don't. I think you would if you asked Brackage directly. Like obviously, it's impossible. But if you asked him directly, and this is my assumption based on what he said, I don't think he would deny that the world around him influences his work. Right. I just think he would argue that that's not really what he considers like the primary influences of anything he does. Yeah. I think he considers the people we've heard him talk about to be real actual wow. influences on his work. While much of what Brackage does and things like Murder Psalm and 23rd Psalm Branch approach uh, what we would call today remix culture. Right. Which is a purely digital art. Right. Really, in practice at least. Um, much of what he's doing is the same things that remix artists are doing in taking taking things, perhaps even often things they associate with their younger days. Yeah. And remaking them into a new transformative work uh, with a lot of the same tricks, just done digitally. Uh, Brackage is not doing remix culture because Brackage is very rarely engaging with pop culture as art. Right, exactly. Yeah, he, and in that sense, in that sense, Brackage is strictly not postmodernist, right? Like Brackage right. is like, he is not engaging with a sort of, Warholian or anything like that that like frame of under of trying to like understand pop culture not just as art but also to make art like from it even if it yeah. is itself not art um he Brackett's just not interested in that like and like by the time we get here the films that the what appears to be the recorded the films that he is using in this even if they aren't old, appear to be old. They appear to be from 30 years ago. Right. From at least 20 years ago by the time he's making this. I don't know that they are. I mean, he could still buy Super 8 film and stuff. It's not like he couldn't buy it and he could use it. But it, uh, he's certainly using a vintage, a very vintage camera to do it because the light is just screams vintage Super 8 camera. Right. You, you know what I mean? Or it is actually old footage that he already had. Which is also possible because you get the impression of a man who has like essentially not put down his camera in thirty years. Yeah. Um. I I would love to know, as a just sort of weird, uh, as a weird side note, I would love to know if somebody could figure out math like if because certainly some of his family members probably had access to some of this. I would love to know exactly how much footage Brackage actually saw shot over the course of his lifetime. Like, what's yeah. the actual raw footage number? It's got to be insane. The number's got to just be astronomical. <laughs> probably yeah, more well, footage than any single other person, possibly more footage than any single other person on Earth has ever shot. One, 
one caveat to that he would have had to have spent more time editing than shooting i understand that but so my, it my, does cut it does cut into it a little bit i understand but that, i bet but my impression is that the man if the man walked out of whatever editing studio he had yeah the camera I was would, almost on immediately yeah i would not be surprised if after a certain point in brackage's life where he first gets access to a camera if a full third of his life was recorded until his deathbed. Yeah, that, that's uh, really my assumption. Yeah. And, and it's really fascinating to think about. Because when you think about other filmmakers, they have a very specific limited time window in which they record because they're not doing what he's doing, right? If you think about the famous directors that we know of, well, when, you're making a, when they're making a film, they're obviously doing a lot of filming, right? But they're not, like, they turn the camera off when the filming is done. You know what I mean? Like, then the camera gets turned off until the next film is starting to get made. I suppose the only people he's really competing with are, like, your hyper-prolific Japanese or, like, early days of Hollywood directors who are, like, you know what I mean? Where, they, where they're where they making, like, six films a year or something like that, you know? And, like, they, they, I guess, are his only real competition as far as that's concerned. Because, especially in the modern era, nobody's making that many movies in one in one go right and so like they're just really not getting an opportunity to like actually produce that much footage over the course of their life right uh, right it's just, it's fa- he, so he's certainly I, it would just be really interesting to know exactly if you stacked up all of his film that he shot in his life in a room or something exactly how much space that would take up certainly he disposed of some of it right or like couldn't keep it all right um, right you know uh, it's just it's something I I want I think about because it's really he either had this stuff laying around or he went out and shot it and either way both of those things are like hard to comprehend. Right. Right. Well, I think. It might be time to pull this one too. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I really, I enjoyed this cycle. I thought this yeah. was really, and it's. I find it interesting that as from everything I can interpret as a general rule, I like Brackage the further we get into his life. The yeah. deeper we get into his life, the more I like his work. His early yeah. work that we've experienced, meh, I can usually take it or leave it. This later stuff I find artistically like really actually pretty engaging. So. Yeah. Me too. Uh yeah. It's neat. It's just neat. Yeah, and and uh, and like and I I think somewhere around here 17 minutes is probably a little long, but you know, it really it, it's okay. It's good. Like obviously the hand-painted ones at 3 minutes are perfect because yeah. that is like consumable without like kind of going mad. This one is also well within the range of like this is a good amount of time to spend watching one of these. Yes. Well, I have I have good news and bad news for you for next week's. Uh-oh. Uh, one of the ones we'll be watching next week is under three minutes. Okay, great. Unfortunately, every other one we'll be watching next week is between 22 and 34 minutes. I had anticipated when we started this one uh, that by the time we get to week four, I'd be regretting taking brackage so slowly, but I'm not yet. I do not so. regret it. I am getting a little yeah. tired. Not yes. like not like in the sense that I'm tired of brackage. I'm just getting fatigued. Right. Uh, even right. at this pace, it is it is taxing. Yes. Uh, this is this is one instance where uh, 
for instance, David Blakesley's style of going through the Criterion Collection chronologically actually would be less fatiguing. Right, uh, you would occasionally run me. into, you would, <clears throat> right. oh, now it's time for brackage, right? Like, um, yes. Yeah, or something like that. Yes. Yeah, totally, of... I, I agree with that. Like, um, this is a, a more fatiguing way to do it. It is still way better than what we did last time. And, like, I'm not disappointed. I don't, each each block presents us with a wholly unique conversation to have about yes. brackage's work that is focused on that work. Yes. It is it is a much way like you would engage with like a museum exhibit or something like right. that. And and I like this yeah. way of doing it. The editorial decisions on the programs here work great so far. Yes, yes. I agree with them. that too. So yes. I they kudos. Kudos for that criterion collection. And as I said uh, in the first episode, I'm pretty sure Marilyn Brackage. I think is, so too. Yeah, you can you can feel a lot of here. you can feel a lot care. of like sort of um, care and attention that yeah. seems maybe slightly outside of the the sort of norm for Criterion right, a little right. bit. Yeah, maybe. Uh, not not super, case. but a little bit. We'll continue with more Brackage next week. This week, thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I'm as always the Adam Glass. With me as always, John Patrick Ovitari Dorgan. We'll see you next time. Bye. been lost in criterion hosted by me adam glass find me on twitter at the adam glass my co-host is john patrick Ovatari dorgan you can find him on twitter at j patrick dorgan big thanks to jonathan hape for our theme song check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service also thanks to all our patreon supporters itunes reviewers and redbubble customers and hey thank you for listening